0: welcome to searching for the question live i am very glad to have uh, all of you uh, here with us we are streaming live on youtube facebook and twitter and uh, you're welcome to subscribe to the youtube channel and uh, click the bell icon so that you can be alerted when we are live again the next time in the guests uh, that we have had uh, over the course of over Uh, 60 episodes of searching for the question live have come from all over the world uh, in many different uh, um, disciplines and and, uh, technologies and representing uh, ideas uh, uh, of all kinds. And uh, uh, some of them uh, I have known uh, um, just for a few months uh, uh, or actually met for the first time online. Some of them I've known uh, for for longer. Today's guest is uh, someone whom uh, I've known for uh, over 30 years uh, because um, Tommaso and I uh, went to university together eh, and uh, studied uh, physics at uh, University of Padua. Uh, physics for me has always been uh, uh, a great uh, 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 scientific, uh, uh, intellectual uh, love and uh, certainly when I decided that I would not become a physicist uh, was uh, an important decision. Uh, At the time I knew I didn't want to be a cog in a machine of uh, the ever larger experiments that uh, were being uh, designed and then implemented on one hand and on the other hand I uh, didn't uh, feel I would be uh, smart enough or diligent enough uh, to be able to contribute to uh, theoretical um, breakthroughs. Um, and uh, I have to say, in certain ways, nobody else has been, because over the course of the past uh, 20, 30, 40 years, uh, theoretical physics has had really important challenges that it, in many ways, failed uh, to to overcome. So uh, the the, the field of higher energy physics uh, is is fascinating for many, many reasons. Uh, It is probing simultaneously the smallest components of the universe and the uh, farthest reaches via energies that are unavailable uh, in our world uh, but are still um, available either in in stars or, or around black holes or uh, in the uh, glimpses that we collect uh, in cosmological events of quasars or big bang and and so on so certainly uh, it is a, it is a world full of uh, of fascination so i'm very happy to have Tommaso Dorigo, uh, here with us.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome.
0: Thank you for, for uh, joining. And uh, Thank you for having me. We, we are we are live. So if uh, there are going to be questions that are relevant and interesting, I will be very happy to pull them in. And we can answer them or comment on whatever our audience is going to uh, sure. share with us. Now, um, as, as I am want to do, Uh, I prepared uh, just uh, a couple of uh, things here. This is Bergamo, where I am. And uh, I prepared Venice, even though I think right now you are in Padua, right?
1: Yeah, I'm in Padua. And uh, I moved from Venice to Padua two years ago uh, 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 because it's just so much simpler to commute uh, from my home It's seven minutes by by tip. And from Venice, it was more than one hour. And as you know, Venice can be not so easy to live in.
0: It's, uh, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. It is a beautiful city, but very impractical. <laughs> right. right. It is great if you are a tourist, but if you are a resident, uh, you were in Dorsoduro, am I right? Do I remember correctly? Uh,
1: no, I lived in Santa Croce, which is uh, a, a quartiere, let's call it uh, in the Italian name, Close to actually a train station when you when you get in or by by car if you have a car. Um, okay. Yeah, that, that makes it for an easier commute. But it's still over an hour to get to my office, and uh, it's just better this way.
0: <laughs> so, so this is Padua, which uh, has uh, some nice uh, things as well. Uh, yeah, the uh, uh, the the paintings from uh, what's his name. Uh, um, that are here, the frescoes. The, oh, the that's the
1: fresco. degli, degli Scrovegni with uh, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a painting with uh, the Alley Comet by Giotto there.
0: <laughs> Giotto, there you go.
1: Speculated to be by Giotto, but uh, by, of the Alley Comet, but uh, actually thinks much pretty well. Anyways, I shouldn't be commenting about that, because you might, you might be surprised, but I've never been inside. <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you should. I, yeah, I, will. I, I, I will recommend you would because it's great. It's really very nice. Uh, so here, here it is. Uh, uh, that's the Okay, okay, very good. And uh, I, I, I think I missed the Halley because uh, when it came by a few uh, years ago, maybe
1: possibly nineteen eighty-six. Yeah,
0: it it wasn't very um bright, and it wasn't very. Uh, spectacular, but yeah. um, uh, Hail Bob uh, was uh, fantastic. Uh, I know I remember. One that. of one of your passions is uh, as, uh, uh, astronomy and astrophotography as well. Yeah, so.
1: more more astronomy. I, I'm a visual astronomer. I'm an avid uh, galaxy hunter with my telescope.
0: So, so uh, uh, when hail Bob came, uh, twenty no, thirteen years ago, it says um, it was it was really spectacular on the sky, and I remember uh, with my son Cosimo, uh, I I would hold him in my arms, and we would go outside on the terrace of our house to to watch the sky before he he went to sleep. And, and every day there would be the comet, uh, this this incredible transient image uh, on in the sky. Um, he doesn't remember, but <laughs> that that is what we would do. Uh, okay. So, um, when we went to to uh, university together, um, did you know that you would stay uh, in the profession? Uh, tough question.
1: I I was fascinated by physics, uh, as you as you mentioned, you was aware. and I did uh, imagine that uh, I could have liked to continue doing research, uh, but of course that's 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 anybody's guess where you end up, right? And uh, for me, the turning point was seeing an ad for a summer student. Uh, uh, program uh, where I could for three months uh, uh, go to the Fermilab laboratory in near Chicago, and I started there doing particle physics, and I've never ceased since. So mm-hmm. that was a turning point for me. I mean, sometimes uh, the easiest—I I, I tend to say that the easiest decisions in life are those that you don't have to make, because they jump at you, right?
0: So well, I. I one of the most uh, dramatic uh, uh, proofs of this is how um, life expectation among males in uh, East Germany declined after unification because they were unprepared to make the gazillion decisions that the well, state, yeah. formerly very authoritarian, wouldn't make for them anymore, and uh, they just couldn't cope uh, with the weight and, and the cognitive... Uh, uh, a uh, necessity of all those uh decisions uh,
1: it can be stressful yeah
0: so uh, emiliano emiliano from twitter uh, uh says that uh, spritz is coming from padua but i am not sure do you believe spritz is uh, uh, venetian or from padua
1: i don't even want to enter this kind of discussion because uh, first of all i don't drink spritz i prefer prosecco or beer Okay. And second, because this kind of um, uh, arguing uh, will only...
0: Uh, you, you don't usually settle disputes this way. Right. <laughs> you have to do That's some
1: right. research.
0: So so Wikipedia uh, talks about Spritz Veneziano. I don't know if there is also a Spritz from Padua yeah. in yeah. Wikipedia. Wikipedia is written
1: by humans.
0: That's right. Fortunately. <laughs> So, um, you you didn't move to the U.S., though, even though it it was an important part of your decision of uh, uh, becoming a physicist uh, professionally. Uh, You never ended up, um, you know, stably there.
1: No, I did. Yeah, I did make a move after my PhD. I got hired by Harvard uh, as a postdoctoral fellow, and I moved there with uh, my family, in fact and uh the fact is that uh, in 2002 I, I had to well 2001 in fact i had to decide that was a decision i had to take whether to accept another uh, position uh, uh, or or to go back to uh, italy where there was another possibility for me and i took the decision to go back to italy uh, because it was easier also for my family but uh, i don't regret it i Maybe I did less of a, of a fast career here than I could have in the US but uh, but I'm very happy of, uh, of what I'm doing and what I've been doing so no problem about that Do you
0: do you still have any teaching uh, duties too or you you you, you don't uh, have any classes anymore
1: I I am in a very comfortable uh, position because uh, as a INFM first researcher I have no teaching duties. I do research. I can spend my time uh, thinking. I can stay at home and in bed thinking for, for all the time, and, I, and that still counts. But I don't do that, actually. I'm mostly coding or writing things, grant proposals. Well, you, you,
0: you can, as long as, uh, uh, after thinking, you write an, uh, an article that gets uh, a scientific paper that gets uh, 10,000 citations.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's a graph of all my publications. That There's almost 1600 of them. But, but yeah, but I do also some teaching, in fact, because I like to. And in fact, I am uh, spending lots of time in dissemination and outreach. And I teach a course uh, in physics, particle physics, at the Master in Statistical Sciences here in Padova, because I think that statisticians can help uh, basic research in fundamental physics. In fact, uh, I've been the chair of uh, of the statistics committee of my experiment, CMS, at the Large Hadron Collider, a 3,000-strong collaboration. And there is a committee of people knowledgeable in statistics, which I chaired for four years. Uh, And there, we have to steer the data analysis to avoid uh, 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 ad-hocery and do good science. And by doing that for many years, I've realized that uh, the PhD students that work for us and do the the, the, are the hardworking core group that do the data analysis and squeeze out uh, information of the proton-proton collisions we create. These people uh, have a very strong background in physics. Of course, they are PhD students in physics for the most part, but most of their time is spent uh, in statistical procedures, machine learning uh, applications. And uh, data quality certification, data data handling, uh, computer science. So uh, I think that uh, we can bring in uh, uh, if we can bring in students that uh, know a little bit of physics through me, but have a background in, in in statistics, we win. So that's an experiment I'm doing.
0: And 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 you are absolutely not alone uh, in the sense that uh, many disciplines realize how important uh, data science uh, is becoming for for them and how little the uh, native practitioners are able to take advantage of the new tools that are more and more essential to derive actionable conclusions from the deluge of data uh, available. Last week uh, we had uh, a, a couple of um, PhDs in uh, molecular biology uh, who created a platform for data analysis uh, in genomics and proteomics and uh, many other kinds of omics, and um, they designed it uh, with ease of use in mind so that the skills of uh, uh, IT practitioners and data scientists could be leveraged uh, with a maximum efficiency. And uh, at the same time, those who are the specialists in their case of uh, virology of, or cancer studies or any other kinds of applications of that field wouldn't need to become specialists also of, of, of AI.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a common problem that there is a bridge to gap because uh, there are all these fantastic new tools in machine learning. There's artificial intelligence everywhere, uh, but it's, uh, it's application specific. And uh, the applications that you need uh, to, to develop uh, in fields of science, such as the one you mentioned, or epidemiology or particle physics, are special enough that uh, it takes effort to develop the right interfaces. And so uh, a computer scientist may be interested, or not not so much, in doing a lot of work to make his tools available to us particle physicists. And so what we as particle physicists do, have been doing for a long time, was uh, sort of using things that were off the shelf, like uh, boosted decision tree, gradient boosting, neural networks, and the most efficient new ways of doing uh, classifications or regression tasks. But uh, uh, we were never able to actually get to the cutting edge of it for several reasons, also connected to a sort of inertia of the field and people that are a little bit older and don't get it, that it's very important that we go in that direction. So it's, uh, it's a challenge. And uh, it's actually my focus of research at present.
0: To do um, uh, half jokingly. Uh, I am looking forward when uh, the next generation or the generation after the next of uh, transformers is going to be applied uh, to um, physics. Uh, These are pretty large uh, neural networks with uh, currently hundreds of billions of uh, parameters that uh, traditionally are applied for natural language uh, generation so you see them with a certain paragraph of text and they generate the next few paragraphs and um, of course they have no idea what they are doing but the results are mind-blowing maybe maybe they do (laughs) well sooner or later uh, those of us who don't believe there is a magical component in human consciousness will have no problem claiming that they do. Uh, but now they are not there yet. At least uh, when you turn off the computer uh, in the evening, they don't scream to stop you from killing them. So uh, in, in that sense, they are still far from being uh, self-conscious. But uh, I, I wonder how this kind of interaction between AI and human specialists is going to evolve uh, in the future. Because of course, uh, well, of course, for me, uh, it is very, very natural to believe that every specialty is going to have uh, uh, a cognitive co-pilot with the human uh, uh, specialist. And uh, just like uh, we use uh, telescopes or, uh, or particle accelerators and nobody uh, feels that uh, it's cheating uh, because you should see the stars with your naked eye or the particles with your with your finger you yeah. plucking plucking them out of the vacuum. Well, similarly, nobody will say that it is cheating to uh, supplement your your cognitive ability with the reasoning uh, that AI is going to be able to provide you.
1: Yeah, we are definitely living in interesting times, and I agree with you um it's not cheating uh it's uh it's something that is going to happen uh, because uh you cannot stop uh, this kind of uh, progress and development
0: uh, you 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 wrote a book uh, uh, about uh, your experiences um how was the how was the exp- uh, the 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 need and and the possibility of formulating uh, your thoughts uh, for a wider audience of of non-specialists, because this is not a book for uh, yeah. physicists only. That's, it is that's not, not, that's
1: not a single formula, because uh, I was I was taught that uh, uh, that uh, every formula you add to a physics book uh, decreases the number of readers by a factor of two. So it <laughs> Very quickly, but uh, but the book was not meant for a large audience. It was a book that uh, uh, arose uh, as a need to uh, tell the story of uh, uh, how scientific collaborations, large ones. This one is the CDF collaboration uh, that it's centered on, on 600 people uh, at Ternilab and uh, they are working as a single man in trying to uh, further our knowledge in particle physics but of course humans have egos and uh, large egos when they are forced to walk past each other in narrow corridors uh, ex- except friction on one another, and so uh there are uh, rules uh, on how to publish and not to publish data. If you see an anomalous signal in your data, you would like to go out and scream that you have found something new, but you have to obey those rules. And so, the dynamics, the internal sociology of these large groups of scientists, is incredibly entertaining uh, to to, and, to
0: and let you, mistaken, about. you have had uh, some um, clashes. Uh, because you felt uh, it was totally appropriate to write something in your fairly popular blog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and the director of CERN... Happened. Oh, yeah, no, that's
1: only one of the episodes, yes. I, I mean, I I was able to piss off practically everybody with my blog, but it's been 15 years, so I had a lot of time to do that. But, yes, there, because, you know... Uh, Collaborations act as a single man, as we say, but inside there are many things that happen and then you pop up a result. But before you do, things are internal, they are secretive. There, there's some some level of uh, confidentiality. And so if you want to do outreach and explain what we are doing uh, to to laypersons, sometimes you want to also explain things a little bit more. And so you, you may leak out... Uh, not purposely, but sometimes uh, your collaborators will get uh, will get upset at you because they, s- they will say that you should not have said this or you should have said these other things. Why didn't you quote me? Why didn't you cite me? Why did you cite me? Uh, all sorts of possible things have happened uh, in, in so many years of blogging. and I was on the verge of being uh, kicked out of this uh, large collaboration. It couldn't have happened, but they tried to. Uh, because uh, I had, uh, in their opinion, done something they didn't like. Uh, I mean, uh, it, it's very the, the various ways in which I've got in trouble with my blog uh, are would be the subject and, of. Uh, and
0: I and, and I don't want to reopen old no, wounds. No, let's not go but, there. But you know uh, what? I would say video, one thing. This video is from 2008 when I met uh, Sergio Bertolucci, ah, yeah. and without naming you, but he was very proud of open communication policies blah 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 so i asked him so okay what about blogging and he, his answer was a, a politician's answer so
1: yeah it's hard but you know uh, things are changing and uh, i was always saying that uh, i was investing a, a sizable fraction of my time to do science outreach and yeah. i think i did a good thing 10 million people have visited my blog in these years Wow. And uh, and and I think that uh, I my career was hampered by this in some way because uh, your colleagues don't like what you're doing. Uh, they think this puts a megaphone in your, in your I mean, newscaster. I mean, uh, people like Dennis over by will, will tell, uh, call me on the phone to know about the new result rather than calling the spokesperson. So this doesn't fit well. OK. So uh, it doesn't sit well with, 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 with the way collaborations work. So there is enmity and the jealousy and stuff like that. But, but well, also about, Yeah, but my point uh, uh, is that uh, by at the end of all of this, uh, what I've started doing is applying self-censorship, which is very bad. Because you, uh, you sort of say, I would like to write this. I think it's interesting. And then uh, you say, "Oh, but I really can't write that, or I will get uh, that person mad." And then you revise things, and uh, you lose a little bit of interest in blogging. Really, by this, sorry, but this is
0: no, the no, no, no. Absolutely, also, um, your colleagues don't realize that the skills that you have in in outreach and clear communication that non specialists appreciate are fundamental for them as well, because. Uh, sometimes, not often, but it is the lack of those skills that lead to projects not getting the funding that they would deserve. Also, yeah, because they are not sold well. You know, when uh, when uh, the um, superconducting super collider was denied funding, uh, it is rumored that. One of the reasons is because the um, Congressional Committee meeting where uh, the funding should have been secured, the, the the scientist was not able to answer whether they will find God. And, <laughs> and I don't know. You should have said, I assure you we will find God. No Absolutely. problem. Of course, just give me the money. I will deliver you God on a silver plate. No, yeah, because a rubbish question deserves a
1: rubbish answer. Of but uh, things are changing. Things are changing because uh, there is some level of recognition that is uh, starting to appear for people who do intense outreach uh, endeavors and then take on these things. And this, uh, uh, you can see this in the fact that if you ask for a grant to the European community, for instance, you will have to explain how you are going to do science dissemination.
0: And if you do you know, and, 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 and also because... Uh, physics is not being done true not true what (laughs) I am I am just I am just uh, giving you the opportunity to explain that uh, uh, LHC um, has been um, successful okay so if this is the question
1: the lhc is uh, an incredible uh, endeavor uh, that started in, at the end of the 80s it took over 20 years to build it was done with one purpose we knew it was the only machine that could give us an answer to the question on the existence of the Higgs boson a particle that was uh, concocted by a physicist a few physicists actually theoretical physicists in the 60s explain some uh, some inconsistency in the theory that was being developed during those years, and it took uh, it took a, an incredible amount of technology and new advances, and uh, uh, betting that new technologies would become available later on after you started designing the thing, and uh, and we did it, and uh, it was an incredible joint effort of uh, ten, more than ten thousand people, and uh, and. And and in the end, this particle was discovered and it has the properties that were predicted. And so it's an incredible human achievement. And it's also a bit disappointing because now people say, oh, but physics is boring because you say that there was this particle and you find this particle. And where's the fun? Where's the excitement? Where is all these supersymmetric particles that some of your fellow theorists were swearing would be pouring at us at the moment we would turn on the darn machine. Well, those particles haven't appeared yet. They might still be there. I don't believe it, but they're my. they might. I, I famously bet a thousand dollars that we would find the Higgs boson but no more new physics with the LAC, and I won it. Uh, and I yes, say, and were this. you paid? What?
0: Were you paid?
1: yes i was paid yeah i went to to paris for a weekend with that money Uh, so i mean i think it was important to build the lhc and we are still squeezing it for new information and we will continue to do so for the next 20 years 15 years as the, the recent update of the european strategy for particle physics has deemed important it's crucial that we uh, extract as much uh, uh, information as we can from that uh, glorious machine, which is being, in fact, up- upgraded uh, for for the task to high luminosity, which means uh, getting more data. But, uh, uh, but that's not and, the end and of the
0: and You have a chart for this, which is uh, this one. Uh, so uh, here, uh, past is on the top. We are here in 2020. Yep, it's confusing, huh? <laughs> well, I'm just explaining it. And the future is in the bottom. Uh, and in the horizontal axis, we have energy expressed in electron volts, kilo, mega, giga, tera, and peta. And so LHC is, is around here. It is getting towards one tera electron volt of uh, energy. Um, now yeah, you, you
1: shouldn't read it uh, literally because those arrows are sort of indicative of the range of uh, mass because you know that mass and energy are interchangeable and in fact we use energy to produce mass uh, so that the range of one two three TV is more or less the range of energy of mass of particles we could discover. Yeah, sorry to interrupt.
0: No, no, of course, of course, and so you say this machine is going to go for at least another 10 years or more. And then sometimes towards uh, 2040 or between 2040 and 2050, we will turn on another machine. So tell tell us about the new machine. So this is just
1: uh, a schematic to show that, uh, that uh, every new uh, major accelerator has discovered new things. And uh, we should. Uh, Uh, There is a big uh, uh, discussion that uh, says that uh, there are people that say uh, there are no physics theories that reasons, uh, deep theory reasons to let us imagine that by constructing a machine that is more powerful than the LHC, we will discover new physics. But but the truth of the matter is that uh, uh, discoveries are uh, uh, technology driven. When we have a potential to build a new thing and explore new ground, we do it, and usually we gain uh, knowledge by doing so. So this project, uh, so there has been a, a two-year-long process whereby the, the 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 most knowledgeable of our of our seniors uh, in particle physics has have, have, have thought deep and uh, and long about uh, what to do, uh, how to pursue to further our research uh, on fundamental physics and this is the European strategy of, the date of particle physics, and they have uh, uh, come up uh, with uh, a series of recommendations. And one of them is not to build a new machine or to invest, give us the money and we will uh, invest and we will uh, be happy for 20, 30 more years. No, what they did was, what, what they said was, uh, we should seriously uh, understand the feasibility, technologically and uh, budgetarily, Uh, of building a new collider of a a larger scale that can probe uh, matter at a a much shorter distance scale with higher energy and uh, and they have drawn a very clear path uh, forward that uh, was more or less what was done uh, at the end of the 80s when the LHC was conceived and as you know you have mentioned the SSC which was this other machine that uh, aborted, uh, that was to be constructed in Texas, was uh, going to be uh, even uh, lar- uh, larger and more powerful than the LHC, but uh, was killed by, by a budget cut. Uh, now, uh, we have to face the fact that uh, what we do is very expensive uh, science, and also by the fact that we cannot promise that we will uh, discover God or or. or, or produce uh, new dividends uh, and uh, and uh, and fallbacks uh, to, to society it, it is true that by building these huge incredible machines uh, we are uh, uh, straining the technological limits and these space large deep commercial uh, applications uh, and uh, that that we then all end up benefiting of but uh, yes this is a possibility the path forwards has not been uh, an, uh, undertaken yet but we have a definite uh, direction to investigate
0: where to go and um, so how do you describe the interaction between theoretical physics and uh, experimental physics because um, you you mentioned uh, the interaction between technology and physics uh, of how lhc was conceived before what could make it possible was available and so uh the 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 entire field of of applied uh, sciences in superconductors and magnets and uh, even uh, obviously data processing supercomputers uh, collaboration software all kinds of uh, tools uh, were developed And and let's not forget that the World Wide Web uh, was born at CERN uh, before Uh, the LHC. But uh, flower on the (laughs) yeah, that
1: was uh, that was um, something that was developed at CERN for. And then so
0: so, the the the, uh, necessity of of this kind of interaction is very clear. However, today. As I, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning, uh, we are at a point in theoretical physics that it is not clear where we need to go. Yeah. What was the um, 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, the expectation was that uh, there would be a certain class of theories and we would pick out of that very large class of theories what actually corresponds to our universe, and uh, we would be able to, um, to make it simple, uh, unify gravity with, uh, uh, with um, um, quantum mechanics yeah. and, and have a deeper understanding of the universe and of, of the phenomena with predictions that could be verified experimentally. And that that didn't happen. Yeah. So, so there is,
1: yeah. So there is this interplay uh, of uh, of theoretical predictions and experimental uh, uh, verification or, or or disproving theories. And uh, we have been doing this in parallel uh, uh, very well. And in fact, this has brought us forward uh, very quickly to understand uh, uh we have an incredible amount of understanding of matter at the smallest distance scale in fact we have this theory the standard model which predicts with incredible precision everything that uh, that will happen when we do particle collision or release energy
0: in a um, scale. Uh, quantum electrodynamics is the scientific theory that has been experimentally proven to the highest precision yeah. among Anything we have, um, yeah. and and if we built bridges with that kind of precision, they would never fall. And if we uh, built skyscrapers uh, with that kind of ability, they would reach the moon. So absolutely, hats off to to both uh, quantum electrodynamics and uh, uh, to the experiments that uh, that worked out the numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: those were Feynman and Schwinger in 1957. They developed this theory and uh, and got the Nobel Prize for that. Uh, but of course, then you had to measure the electromagnetic moment uh, and uh, and verify these predictions so precisely. So that's the interplay that I was uh, I was discussing. Right now, uh, the interplay is sort of blocked, and we are in this sort of a crisis, as you were mentioning. Right, and uh, crisis is a good word. A moment of crisis is a very creative moment. If you know the word in Greek, uh, uh, it has this meaning, where you can actually uh, look at uh, what you have on the table and try to uh, sort out. It's not like somebody told you, go for the X boson, and you go for it, and you get it. Right now, we are in a more fluid situation. But there is one thing. This incredibly precise model that we have uh, concocted and understood and uh, allows us to compute Things, is, uh, is inconsistent and uh, in the sense that uh, it, it has some paradoxes within. And uh, that has been used to claim that there must be new physics that explains those paradoxes. Now, uh, physicists have been, uh, many, many theoretical physicists have been basing uh, predictions that we would find new physics at the, at, with the LHC uh, because of this apparent inconsistency. But now that we haven't found uh, these uh, uh, potential supersymmetric theories or, or whatnot that would explain this, uh, this problem, which is called the naturalness problem of the X boson mass, uh, now we are a little bit uh, on our own, right? So we have to think forward and say we have the technology now to go forward and possibly we will discover something new. Or maybe we might be unlucky and uh, not uh, discover anything new, but we will still learn a huge amount of things that we still have to experiment about what is called uh, not new physics at the high energy scale, but still things we still don't understand very well. But we will do this uh, by, by leveraging things that, as you were saying, uh, we don't uh, exactly know how to, uh, how to do right now. Uh, I should mention that uh, I am right now writing a proposal for for uh, for a grant uh, that will allow me, if I get uh, uh, funded, to uh, to to do something that uh, is now possible with uh, the computing science tools that uh, have recently been developed. Uh, in particular, what is called uh, differentiable programming because uh, I was mentioning even before that machine learning, we use it as physicists, but uh, we have to tailor it to our needs. And so we are not on the bleeding edge of it. So instead, in principle, there is now the possibility to uh, perform end-to-end optimization of physics measurements or even detector design. So I want to do that. And to do that, you need to create a, a very complex architecture that is capable of considering together uh, with the intrinsic stochastic nature the, the randomness of the quantum world uh, To produce a differentiable model of that that we can then navigate to find the, the maxima of our Utility functions that is uh, the best possible measurement given a certain amount of money and a certain amount of time Once I have considered all possible systematic uncertainties and stuff like that. This is a very complex thing but now there are the possibilities to do it and i want to prove that it is doable so this is one way forward that uh, we require the development of things that are not yet uh, even possible and there is another thing if we construct now a plan to build a a future circular collider like uh, something that will come into operation in 20 30 years from now and we do it by designing detectors that it will not be us who will use, but it will be artificial intelligence systems 20 or 30 years down the line because we know that it's gonna happen because we know that already the reconstruction of this complex uh, collision event that we do in our detectors is uh, is demanded to uh, specialized algorithms which do not have artificial intelligence in them yet. But in 20 years, it will be for sure so we have to think at design optimization with that in mind and extrapolate to the future capabilities that these systems will have. This is the challenge, I think.
0: That, that is really wonderful. And it is a concrete example of what I mentioned at the beginning of uh, a cognitive co-pilot, uh, where right. it is not just uh, analyzing the data coming out of the machine, but it is sitting on your side designing the machine then uh, that it will have to uh, to work with. You also mentioned the optimization parameters including the money available, the resources available wow. etc wow. and, and, and and that has been a bane of uh, physics uh, for for a long time because hedge funds uh, would uh, suck away talent uh, uh, running after money, uh, optimizing uh, trading algorithms instead of uh, applying uh, 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 everything uh, that they could uh, to to the new science. So uh, this is uh, this is certainly very interesting. Uh, we have uh, another couple of provocative questions uh, from uh, Emiliano. I love provocative questions. Well, he's asking if LHC is a time machine, and and how many chances do we have to be able to travel to the past? Uh, these
1: people have been looking too much into uh, at that uh, that serial on TV on Netflix, Dark, uh, where people travel uh-huh. back and forth uh, through the future. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Let me answer these questions. So the LHC is not a time machine. What we do though, is to uh, zoom into the uh, smallest distance scales by colliding energy, colliding particles together, by creating very energetic collisions. It's like we illuminate matter at, uh, so that we look into it uh, like with a very powerful microscope. Uh, time doesn't get in the equation. It is one of the four coordinates of space time, of course, and uh, like any other space coordinate. But it's not like you can travel backward and forward in time. Particles can be thought of doing that, but increase, but it's just one way of seeing the antimatter.
0: Well, but, uh, no,
1: we uh, uh, travel uh, fast.
0: the 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 near maximal velocities uh, in vacuum, uh, close to the speed of light, uh, that the particles are accelerated towards make it so from f- fr- that from their subjective. Uh, uh reference frame true, yeah. time yeah. is almost at a standstill which is the reason that they last enough to actually be able to collide before they uh, uh disappear into swarms of of other particles yeah. so so uh, the relativistic effects of time dilation uh, are a fundamental component for the machine to work uh, what, is what is definitely the case is that even though time slows down close to zero, uh, uh, and and the uh, and the photon which the LHC doesn't use, uh, it uses uh, um, other kinds of particles, always traveling at the speed of light, has time at zero. So. Uh, 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 um, forgive me the poetic expression but the photon photon lives at every time all the time because by by traveling at the speed of light for the photon there is no difference uh, in, in slices of time between each other that's right even though it gets close to zero for the particles It never gets to to, to less than zero and and the reason Emiliano this is uh, uh, so important and and uh, uh, Esther uh, is complimenting Emiliano for for the question is is that we believe today that uh, if we were able to move uh, energy or particles or action or anything back in time, um, we would destroy causality—the uh, the the sequence of causes and effects that are representing today a fundamental structure uh, of the universe as we see it—and and, uh, and the physicists are. Ready to give up on everything—space, time, uh, uh, energy—you can matter. You can destroy every concept you want, but they—they they are not ready to give up on causality. Uh, so, so if we and ever, beer. And, beer. Uh, and, beer. Uh, and beer, and beer, and beer, causality, and beer. Uh, if we, if we ever are able to um to 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 design loops in time what i think is that the result will um be disappointing in the sense that the place we end up is gonna be just so radically different that it won't matter um So, for example, I have no reason to exclude, except everything physics is about, that, uh, that uh, um, in, in um, 10 to the 100 years, let's say, when protons decay and, and uh, this universe starts to be unable to create new structures, there could be seeds of a future universe, either being born from the evaporation of black holes, uh, um, freeing up naked singularities, or or from some other effect, and that there could be some interaction in a loop-like fashion between subsequent generations of universes that are being born like this and our birth. So. Yeah, you know, we,
1: we have an even uh, different views, view from you. We are, we are just uh, speaking freely, but uh, I, I think uh, it's interesting to conceive the possibility of this uh, multiverse. Now, I don't buy string theory. Uh, that would, would be a different discussion. But in principle, you can think that the, our universe is a bubble that is expanding, but there are infinite other bubbles expanding at different times. And... Uh, And in principle, everything everything can happen in these other bubbles. They are causally disconnected from ours, of course. But this also gives you an idea that uh, uh, we could uh, replicate, our universe could uh, could, uh, uh, cease to exist and then replicate itself uh, ad infinitum. So we could, uh, in the end, be... Uh, condemned to live an infinite number of times and make the same mistakes an infinite number of times. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, that's just... Uh,
0: but I so, think there was another
1: question that was uh, was bounced off us, uh, right? Uh,
0: so so um, he, he remarked on, on whether it is bending time. And yes, if you wish, uh, exactly because we are talking about a four-dimensional dimen- uh, four space-time continuum, as you apply very strong magnetic forces accelerating uh, the, uh, the the particles, you are simultaneously bending space and time from their point of view. So that is absolutely correct. but while space is such that they go around in a circle, time is 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 not. Let me let me ask us yes, go ahead. Uh, there was
1: one other thing to add. One of the things that, uh, that this European strategy of date uh, brought forward is the possibility that we use a new technology to build what is called a muon collider. That would be an entirely different machine that we haven't uh, yet the, the technology to build, but we think we could have it in 20 years. And muons, we can accelerate them and collide them uh, exactly because they travel close to the, sp- the speed of light because a muon decays in, in two millions of a second. So if you take a muon and, uh, and, and after, after uh, two microseconds, uh, it it's gone. And how can you actually take it, produce it, uh, make it turn in a big machine and then bring it to collide with another muon? You can do it because when you accelerate it to close to the speed of light, it lives much much longer than those 2 microseconds in fact in fact its a time uh, of dura- duration of life is expanded by exactly the fra- the, the factor of energy that you have uh, given to it so in, uh, that is one other use that we make of uh, of this concept that david was talking about uh,
0: and uh, just to just to clarify in the in the standard model uh, muons uh, are uh, a, a kind of a uh, heavier version of an electron That's right Right. that rather than than having uh, uh, that rather than being stable uh, uh existing forever as far as we know uh decay more rapidly as you said and and that is why we need to make them go at a very high speed if we want to be able to make them collide usefully yeah, so, yeah.
1: Sorry, and muons uh, don't exist in ordinary matter, but they're created, for instance, by proton hitting the upper, uh, upper uh, atmosphere, and they rain down uh, as secondary products of the decay of the particles produced in these collisions, so that you are constantly being uh, traversed, your body is being traversed by tens of muons every second. You don't realize it, of course, because they leave a very little amount of energy in your body but uh, they are with us
0: and uh, and uh, that has been uh, uh, always, uh, a always a nice uh, way to illustrate uh, time dilation uh, because uh, if uh, at high speeds uh, from the point of view or the frame of reference of the particle at uh, time didn't slow down then the muons would decay before reaching uh, the surface of Earth. But instead, they, uh, uh, they exist, uh, and, uh, and that has been a, a good way of, uh, of illustrating that. Now, uh, my, my provocative question uh, is uh, uh, that uh, uh, during the, um, uh, the um, Manhattan Project in Los Alamos, Oppenheimer and colleagues, uh, ran a calculation where they were pretty sure that by exploding the atomic bomb, they would not um, start a chain reaction igniting and consuming the atmosphere, right? And and then they crossed their fingers and they exploded the atomic bomb, and it turns out they were right. Uh, the atmosphere did not... Uh, did not uh, ignite uh, all over the planet, killing everybody. A similar kind of calculation, um, I suppose, was done uh, to exclude, for example, uh, that uh, the LHC could create some yeah. negative effect, such as creating uh, black holes uh, through the the collisions, and yeah. and and. Um, that hasn't happened, at least not yet. Uh, or rather, you know that. the black holes that are being uh, created, if there are any, are so small that the rate of ev- evaporation is very, very large. And they just pff, uh, go uh, out in, in a puff. And it would be
1: an incredible uh, scientific discovery, in fact, uh, although it has not a lot of credit, there was a theory of... Uh uh which uh, implied that quantum gravity effect uh, could could actually uh, appear at the tv scale which is the scale of energy probed by 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 the proton collisions of the lhc Uh, we haven't found them we continue to search for them it is true that uh, when you create a microscopic black hole as it would uh, happen in in these particular circumstances which uh, are however disproven uh, would evaporate Uh, it would not uh, Uh, be able to uh, call in new matter and become larger and eventually devour everything around it uh but black holes are pretty much a real thing and we have to to deal with it and in fact we are incredibly happy that uh, not only do they exist but that they can be used to probe the universe and to look at the universe with different eyes this is something and is uh, fascinating
0: and 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 uh uh, for for you as a as an experimental physicist, it must have been exhilarating to see the success of LIGO, uh, yes. which uh, uh, is is similarly to the um, to the to the success of LHC in discovering uh, Higgs boson, has been able to observe gravitational waves many, many years after these have been um, theoretically predicted. and yeah. um, and um, it uh, so so what what did you what did you think? Uh, was that something that if you had a bet outside of your specialty, you would have bet that it would happen so fast or you would have said, oh, we will need another hundred years
1: i'll be i'll be frank i i was surprised because uh because uh, uh, first of all the frequency of this kind of uh effect that we can actually probe with these uh, large uh, gravitational antennas was not predicted and so it was uh, a shot in the dark you could investigate a certain region of frequency but the the, the good things might be happening somewhere else And so it was anybody's guess. Also, it was a search uh, for many different places, and you know that if you have a small probability of finding something but you look into many, 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 many different boxes, you are likely to find a spurious uh, effect somewhere. So uh, when the first uh, hint of uh, discovery of gravitational waves came about, I was very skeptical because I said, well... What is the trials factor of this uh, new discovery? I mean, how many boxes have they looked into? How many different frequency bandwidths? Uh, But it is a true effect. uh, And uh, the the incredible thing about this is that these instruments are really stretching uh, in a mind-boggling way our technology, because uh, we are shining light back and forth uh, uh, gazillions of times through mirrors that are kept uh, in a situation that allows them to be so precisely uh, constructed and held uh, in position, that by interferometry, you can measure distance scales that are a tiny fraction of a, of a proton's diameter.
0: And uh, so and, and, you know, and, and what is very smart about the whole setup is that uh, it is using uh, the universe itself to study the universe in experiments that are kind of a natural configuration for something that it would that would be impossible for us to do in this case we are talking about the the merger of two neutron stars and uh, and uh, or or of two black holes or a black hole and a neutron star uh, cosmic events that uh, as you said we didn't know how frequent they are now it looks like they are more frequent than, than we expected.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's unbelievable that you can actually pinpoint the, the, the region of sky that this thing is happening. It happened millions of years ago, of course. But you see the waves coming because you have instruments that are oriented different ways. You can pinpoint the direction. And then we have many other ways of looking at the sky, and we can correlate them together so we can find a, an optical counterpart of this merger of, 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 uh, of black holes. For instance, we can look for photons, or we can look for neutrinos or cosmic rays. So this is incredibly exciting because it's an, uh, uh, not opening a new page uh, of a book uh, of, uh, of fundamental physics. is taking another volume and, and yes.
0: Uh, uh, one of uh, one of the unique uh, properties of gravity uh, which uh, Emiliano will again hate uh, is that uh, contrary to other forces there is no such a thing as anti-gravity it cannot be shielded and as a consequence gravitational force goes everywhere yes it becomes less and less powerful that is why when something is so far, we need a gravitational event as strong as the merger of two back holes in order to feel the effect. But it also means that there can be every possible uh, optical shield that stops us from seeing something, including the glowing of uh, the initial fog out of the Big Bang uh, when matter was dense enough so that the universe itself was not transparent, but with this kind of new volume of probing the universe and astronomy that is based on gravitational waves, we are going to be able to go beyond that to look uh, at, at, uh, at the Big Bang. Uh, yeah. and, and many other uh, phenomena that uh, that are are uh, invisible uh, otherwise. Yeah. So
1: I think of it this way: there are four fundamental forces in nature, and uh, until uh, the nineteen uh, until one hundred years ago, basically we were only using for fundamental research uh, electromagnetism. Because, OK, we understood gravity. The, it allowed us to explain the motion of planets, but but we couldn't use it for, for experimentation. And then we started designing design accelerator and we were able to probe another force, which is the weak force. And then we started probing the strong force. Actually, the strong force and the weak force came about uh, a little bit mixed together, so it took us a little while to figure that out. But we had three forces that elementary particles are playing by, 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 by those rules. And this fourth one, we never considered it because it was uh, totally beyond our, our power to use for experimentation. And now we have it. Now we have four different ways to look at, uh, at the cosmos. Okay, strong force is confined, but still we can see effects. So yeah, I think uh, this is an incredible turnaround. And uh, I was really surprised. And now the wealth of data that these instruments are giving is, uh, is really, really exciting.
0: So um, the, 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 the special theory of relativity uh, is uh, more than 100 years old. Uh, quantum mechanics is almost a, a 100 years old. And and both of them are finding uh, applications in our daily lives. Uh, The first, for example, is, uh, uh, or actually both of them are are, uh, present in uh, uh, every time you get in a car and you use your phone to set up the map, to navigate uh, wherever you want to go, because uh, we use Um, quantum effects to create the precise atomic clocks that are needed in the satellites that are in orbit and then we use um, subtle corrections uh, due to special relativity in order to make sure that uh, the tuning of the system uh, works and your phone looks at the various satellites, as many as it can see. Uh, that is why when you are in New York or in other places with a lot of uh, skyscrapers, uh, your GPS goes crazy because it cannot see uh, in- enough of the, the satellites and and calculates uh, the, dis- uh, the differences between various signals that the, that the satellites uh, send. Yep. So, so uh, uh, it-, it took some time. But both uh, quantum mechanics and uh, uh, relativity are now in the daily lives of people uh, without them realizing. And so uh, it, is, it is not going to be you because it is not your, your job, but future generations of engineers are going to use um linear or 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 um circular accelerators are going to use uh um gravitational interferometers yeah this makes
1: yeah, ways to interact yeah. with our daily lives But
0: and, and, and some of it uh, is already happening for example the yeah. the, the reduction in scale of uh, accelerators is now overcoming uh some Uh, limitations in uh, important isotopes uh, for cancer treatments and a lot of uh, um, uh, um, newer generation or or, um, very uh, precise um, uh, computer tomography uh, is based on instrumentation that that wouldn't have been available without these advances
1: I'll tell you two things one of them is that uh, these new hadron therapy machines—that uh, uh, well, they are not new, but uh, they are uh, becoming more and more available to treat cancers that are otherwise not curable and not operable by going inside you and uh, burning exactly the 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 the, the tumor uh, uh, cells without affecting the rest of the environment. This is a development that strongly relies on detection technology, fast data acquisition, and uh, Pencil beams uh, of particles. And this is actually one of the applications that they want to develop in this, uh, in this project that I told you about. Uh, and there will be also a, a field test of a new device that we are going to optimize. But another, another of such applications that's also in my project concerns something that uh, many people don't even know that this exists. But uh, we talked about muons that rain up from above, and muons can be used for tomography. What it means is that you can use the fact that a muon traverses large amounts of matter to actually uh, create radiographies uh, by detecting uh, uh, muons upstream and downstream or only downstream uh, with certain software uh, methods. By this means, uh, people have looked inside the pyramids. They have looked inside volcanoes. And now we are developing an application that will uh, uh, detect uh, smuggled material inside containers. Uh, so you know that uh, one application is that people try to smuggle uh, radioactive substances uh, mixed uh, with scrap metal that goes to the foundry and then creates a mess. Because, you know, if you have a radioactive material waste, uh, it's incredibly expensive to, to deal with it. But if you, if you, if you smuggle it and, uh, and send it to a foundry, You are done, right? Or uh, explosive uh, or drugs that have a lower atomic number, so they are even harder to detect by these radiography means. So you can use the muons because the muons provide a natural accelerator. They pass by, and you can detect uh, the voids and the structure of of, uh, matter inside containers this way. So this is another application that's very interesting, I think.
0: All right. And... um uh, these uh, uh, funding efforts are um, a necessary and important part of uh, a physicist's uh, life uh, to be able to um, illustrate your ideas, convince other people that they are worthy of support, uh, uh, answering any objections uh, without getting mad, uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know, but uh, it's a competitive uh, environment and it is good that it is this way because resources are limited and so the money goes to the really worthy uh, projects. Of course, you have to sell yourself well and sell your project well and your idea well, but that's, uh, that's part of the game and everybody abides to it because it's better to get funded and have a chance of getting funded than not having any. But even if I didn't get any funding, I, am, uh, I can live a comfortable life, because I'm part of this uh, huge experiment. And I can uh, spend all my life, many, many lives, actually, analyzing this incredible amount of data that the LHC has been producing for us.
0: And, so and that is, that is a, a, a wonderful statement that uh, others would label negatively. Oh, uh, it's, it's a privilege and uh, and and that you don't deserve it but the, the 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 problem is the opposite everybody should have the chance of doing what you do doing things that you love to do and doing it for not one lifetime but for many lifetimes and, yeah. uh, and uh, that is uh what we have to strive for and and that is I believe what robotics and AI and everything that so often is labeled, oh my God, we won't have jobs anymore because all the jobs are going to be taken by these machines. Let them take those jobs. (laughs) We we want to go back to the peripatetic uh, um, school of uh, Plato and, and, and Aristoteles when uh, a, a, rather than with human slaves, with with uh, metallic slaves that uh, yeah. that do do the work, so that we can philosophize and 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 we can uh, uh, design uh, as crazy machines as as uh, we can. Uh, Martin uh, is um, saying that uh, general uh, uh, relativity is used in GPS as well. In order to, um, uh, in order to correct for the diminishing strength of gravity, <clears throat> I uh, suspect it may, uh, maybe in the later generations of more precise instruments that reduced from several meters to now um, a few centimeters, the precision uh, of of GPS. But I am not sure. Uh, It is funny. I spoke to one of the original patent holders, who is now in his 80s, for GPS systems. And uh, he doesn't believe in special relativity. Okay. Well, (laughs) (laughs) He (laughs) he has some alternative theory and, and, and I didn't have the time uh, or the patience to, to, to listen to him. Uh, and I'm sorry to admit that, but uh, that, was, that was quite uh, amusing because, of course, he's the father uh, of the whole system and the system uses the theory that he doesn't believe in. So uh, Emiliano is asking another important question. Is the cat... Uh, alive or dead in the box. And uh, you want me to take it? I don't know. (laughs) Why don't you you have a shot at it? And then I will have my answer, too.
1: So uh, this has to do with what reality is. And uh, ultimately, it has to do with our definition of what reality is. Because uh, uh, you could take uh, a perfectly well uh, standing point is to say the cat is definitely either dead or alive, and we don't know because the box is closed until we open the box, but the de- the, the cat is in a definite state. This is natural, uh, uh, non-quantum mechanics answer. In quantum mechanics, uh, we live in a superposition of states uh, until uh, a measurement uh, collapses the wave functions and and, and and selects one of the two possible worlds in fact uh, uh, I believe that it's perfectly legal to uh, consider the fact that uh, we live in a superposition of possible worlds and uh, uh, the theory that has been uh, uh, developed for this is called uh, the many worlds view of quantum mechanics and uh, so the cat is in a superposition of states there are universes in which the cat is alive and universes in which the cat is dead all possibilities that are not violating laws of physics coexist at the same time with different probabilities. And this is all enshrined in a thing that is called the wave function of the universe, that uh, nobody can write, but uh, it contains uh, the various probabilities of different things occurring. So the cat is both dead and alive, and uh, the question is what is your reality? That is my answer
0: um quantum mechanics uh bothered and still bothers a lot of people including famously Einstein uh and uh, the, the the reason is because it is so far from uh what our intuitive sense of reality tells us that that uh, we we see it as 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 it shouldn't exist and uh, for a long time a lot of physicists tried to find a way to prove that that these kinds of of crazy things that that uh, quantum mechanics uh implied were only a consequence of our insufficient understanding and that introducing further components the craziness would disappear. And it has been unfortunately proven that that it is not the case, that the hidden variables that they were looking for are are not there, and that the phenomena that quantum mechanics um, represents through the experiments are are fundamental in the sense that if we keep going and if we understand uh, more and more, uh, we will be able to describe things that today we can't describe. We will be able to build machines that are incredible and magical uh, if uh, observed from today's understanding of the world. But those experiments, those machines, those results, will be based on this craziness. Will not be based after eliminating the craziness. It is how the universe is. It's
1: there. with us.
0: Huh? I didn't catch that.
1: <laughs> I said uh, it's with us.
0: Yeah, it is with us. It's, it, it, it is it it going to stay with us. And uh, I think that a, a, a wonderful use for ai and hopefully humane in the sense that after the fact we will ask ai about it and and the ai will respond it's fine don't worry is to grow an intellect that is natively familiar uh with the quantum world so that what we are saying is crazy uh for that intellect is natural and our intuition will not be able to grasp but its intuition will be able to leap because it will perceive the world at those quantum levels and um and um, you know um uh, biological humans will will never be able to to be born uh, and and uh, to be bred and brought up like that and we would never expose a child a human child to that kind of experiment
1: can we cross breed
0: well uh, uh that is that is the next step obviously uh, regardless of uh, what kind of extension of our abilities we want to achieve and at what uh depth we want to intimately Uh, accept that kind of extension Uh, some of us for example you would welcome the ability to redesign your cognitive functions so that you could acquire this ability to intuitively reason about quantum uh, phenomena yeah yeah,
1: certainly but the brain uh, our brain is a plastic thing and we can redesign and reconfigure it every day and I do it daily because I play the piano and I try to reconfigure parts of my brain in order to be able to move my fingers faster. So we are doing this even if we don't think about it.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, we we, we are. Uh, even though, because that would be Emiliano's next question, no, we are not using just 10% of our brain's uh, abilities. And, and the reason is relatively simple. We are already born at the limits of uh, the volume that is possible to be grown inside the womb. And, and if uh, we had 10 times as much as we needed, then evolution wouldn't expose us uh, to the incredibly high probability of dying while being born. So are so, you blaming
1: women's vaginas that we aren't the more intelligent
0: than we could? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, being um, uh, being um, grown inside an inside an artificial womb will mean that uh, the current limitation doesn't apply anymore. Right. So, so we'll see whether that will be um, taken advantage of my guess is that there will be better and faster ways to uh, to improve uh, cognitive function uh, and and uh, biological evolution is not gonna used much because it would take uh, millions of years uh, to to take advantage of it i know and we are both not for patient
1: technologies not for incremental ones yeah
0: <laughs> So uh, Emiliano is saying Neuralink, absolutely, Neuralink uh, is going to be one of those. And and interfacing with AIs uh, is going to be um, done through those kinds of uh, brain uh, implants. Uh, But of course, we will have to be careful. Uh, And uh, uh, if you um, want to uh, learn more about uh, this uh, topic, uh, you can go to uh, my uh, patreon uh, page because I have a weekly um, uh, episode uh, called uh, the Context. And this week's uh, episode uh, is about um, being uh, uh, an ambivert, not an introvert uh, uh, and not a uh, uh, an extrovert, but in a dynamic uh, situation between the two, And I conclude that uh, episode saying that it doesn't matter what is your cognitive uh, limit, uh, AIs are going to also have to set a dynamic uh, balance between being introverts and and extroverts uh, because they will want to absorb as much as they can. So Neuralink is going to help but it is not going to be the end all to all our problems we will just increase the reach and immediately hit new limits you know just like when you create a highway and there are too many cars and then people say oh we just have to add another lane and everything will be fine no with a new lane on the highway you have more cars filling it up immediately and in la there are now highways with eight lanes and all of them are completely full all the time anyway so the same is going to be with uh, with our cognitive functions and and it's not that it will not be good it will be good but uh, we we will we will have uh, similar challenges as as we have today so tommaso thank you very much for for being uh, with us uh, today for an hour yeah. and a half uh, we could go uh, for many many uh, more hours uh, to discuss about uh, physics and the cosmology and the particle physics and philosophy because a lot of these uh, topics are deeply philosophical as well So uh, maybe if uh, you are available uh, in the future we will do some more of this
1: We can do more of that for sure and of course uh, we are both uh Uh, distributing uh, ideas and uh, things uh, with our blogs and uh, various uh, sources anyways so and uh, we are easy to reach
0: (laughs) thank you and thank you Emiliano for for all your uh, wonderful questions uh, uh, as well as uh, uh, Esther uh, who has been also chiming in uh, and also answering uh, some of the questions that Emiliano was asking and I didn't pick uh, for being uh, answered live. Our viewers are collaborating and and helping each other too. So that is wonderful. So uh, thank you, thank you, Tommaso. Uh, Thank you uh, everybody for uh, being with us uh, today on Searching for the Question live. Uh, I already mentioned uh, 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 my uh, Patreon Uh, page uh, where you are welcome to uh, become a fan, a supporter, a sponsor, or a benefactor at the different levels that are available if you are appreciating the uh, conversations that I am having with uh, our guests. Uh, If you speak Italian, parlate italiano, uh, subscribe to my uh, Italian channel by going to davidorban.com slash YouTube Italiano and uh, sign up uh, to my newsletter to be alerted about what is going on Um, but uh, come to the uh, discord server on davidorban.com slash discord uh, we continue the conversations and uh, uh, if uh, you are like uh, our live commenters emiliano and esther um, you will enjoy Uh, continuing uh, uh, to probe uh, the themes uh, that uh, come up uh, on on the show. Uh, You can actually also steer uh, the show in directions uh, by um, suggesting who should be a guest, as well as voting uh, on guests uh, that are suggested by others. So uh, all of this uh, will, I'm sure, shape searching for the question live uh, in uh, interesting uh, directions uh, for many episodes to come. Thank you and see you soon.